0: Leadership has never been more challenging, and that's why we created Modern Leadership, to help you overcome challenges and experience transformation as a leader in the modern era. And the way that we do that is we make leadership simple and clear go ahead and sign up today to find out more about modern leadership we're going to have some fantastic people training throughout this experience scott Klosowski, waylon cubit kelly masters amy downs dr chan helman marcus cadence jackson frank smith and many more go to leadergrowth.us that's leadergrowth.us and sign up for modern leadership today yeah the floor today, one mission, and Welcome to the Leader Growth Podcast. I'm David Skidmore. This podcast is designed to help you overcome challenges and experience transformation. You know, one of the big questions that a lot of leaders are facing is this, are we safe? Is my organization safe? Are my people safe? Is my job safe? Are we going to be safe in the future? There are a lot of threats that are coming your way as a leader today. Out of all the challenges that a leader faces every day, the threat to safety is one of the most important that a leader needs to be aware of and have a plan of action to face. That's why I invited my good friend Corey Patrick White, partner and senior vice president of intelligence at Future Point of View to talk with us today around the ideas of cybersecurity and protecting your people and your own mind from algorithmic bias. What's at stake here? The threat of cybersecurity puts almost every valuable asset of your life and leadership at risk. So it's imperative that you have a good plan going forward around cybersecurity. And bias is one of the most important things for leaders to address today. Corey gave an incredible talk at TEDx Oklahoma City. If you haven't yet, go ahead and watch Corey's incredible talk on how algorithms spread human bias so that you can help your team not live on the polar extremes, but instead, be people who listen and learn from the other side. What we wanna do as leaders is help our people overcome challenges and experience transformation. And if their thinking is too biased, if we end up polarized, we end up in a world of trouble. I'm really excited to share this conversation with Corey Patrick White with you. But first, the song Hustle from our friend, JB. Right. well, Corey Patrick White, welcome to the Leader Growth Podcast. Thanks for joining us oh, today. Thank you for having me. This is
1: uh, such a joy, such a delight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we go back a few years. Originally, we met at a leadership retreat through Salt and Light Leadership Training. We were roommates uh, at that Retreat, And since then, we've been able to, to build a pretty solid friendship over the past six years, uh, gotten to do some some cool things together. I'm excited for you to be able to, to share with our community today uh, around some things that are actually pretty big threats for leaders.
1: Yeah, I, did. I mean, huge right now. And, and what yeah. I work in is uh, top of mind, should be top of mind for every leader of every organization. Why Why do you say that? Uh, because I, I work in cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And right now, that is one of the biggest threats to organizations is is their digital assets and the fact that their digital assets are so vulnerable mm-hmm. to uh, everyone in the world. I mean anyone in the world can access uh, or steal your digital assets and uh, that that's why it's just so important to learn how to keep those things safe and and, yeah. and leaders a lot of times didn't don't necessarily understand cybersecurity. That's a great point. So let me jump in.
0: We have to define from the beginning what is a digital asset.
1: Uh, it's any type of uh, intellectual property or mm-hmm. personal information, mm-hmm. any data that you've digitized, essentially yeah. that you've taken from a piece of paper in a file cabinet somewhere and you've put up to a server. Now, in the in the old days, people I say in the good old days or old <laughs> days that people had servers on premises, so they you know they had yeah. these servers and they would just put their data on these servers and it wouldn't leave. The, uh, the, 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 the physical headquarters of the organization. Well, that's not really feasible anymore just because of the amount of data yeah. that we have and the amount of data that's digitized. So now we're moving all of our data to these server farms. Mm-hmm. And that is what we might call the cloud. And it's, so these are these giant server farms that are owned by big organizations like Amazon mm-hmm. and Google, and and we move our data to those uh, server farms, and then be, be, when they leave the organization, they can become vulnerable.
0: Okay. So let's talk about that vulnerability. And by, by the way, for those of you who are saying server, this is a little bit over my head. Part of how I think about this is just as this coffee cup is sitting on this table right now and it is holding that coffee cup. Yeah. Once upon a time, there was a server that was sitting in a specific business and it was holding that information exclusively. But now there is a massive table and it has aggregated everybody's information. Is yeah. that- it,
1: I'd say, I mean, that's a great analogy.
0: Well, thank you. All right, let's go ahead and, and we'll, I couldn't we'll have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> so when we talk about the risk with cybersecurity, what are the things that we're actually up against? What are the things that could happen um, that we need to be thinking about as leaders to protect our organizations and to protect our
1: people? Well, the the three the three biggest threats that we're we're seeing right now. Um, the first is I think leaders probably un- I've heard this term, and if you haven't, I I mean you're probably living under a rock. But it- ransomware. Okay. Every every leaders should be concerned about ransomware right now. Uh, and that how is- do we define ransomware? Ransomware is where uh, a malware uh, okay. a malware goes and spreads through your network and then locks your files. That up. sounds like an intentional virus. Yes, a virus. Yeah, okay, so it's an intentional it.
0: virus from somebody who's Essentially, trying to cause a problem to all of the different information that well, you they're, have. they're
1: trying. To, they're trying to lock your files, so then they can send you a note that says, "Hey, to unlock your files, you're going to have us, to give us money," which is typically <laughs> money in cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, uh, which is uh, you know a, a digital currency on the blockchain. And that's a whole other that's a yeah. whole other podcast. <laughs> but uh, you know, so they, they go and and mm-hmm. then you we have to decide. Uh, Do I, if I don't have backups, is that, do I, am I okay losing that data or should I pay the ransom? That's why backups are so so important for, Mm -hmm. you know, for organizations right now, making sure you have solid backups. I mean, we can go into all of this. I mean, making sure that you have uh, good employee awareness training, because typically how uh, the virus starts how they get in is they trick employees. They trick people. Okay. How do they trick an employee? So humans are the most a – lot, a lot of people think that you know it's the technology that's the danger yeah. when it comes to cybersecurity. But it's not. It's the humans. Oh. It's your, your employees because they are susceptible to what we call social mm-hmm. engineering. I could trick you, David. I could trick you into yes. doing something uh, that you shouldn't do. Uh, in order, I can ask you. I can call you up and say, "Hey, I'm your bank. Give me your bank account number because there's a problem uh, with your with your account." And yeah. and maybe you you might give it to me. I don't mm-hmm. you know, depending on your level of savviness. And and that's what we see with organizations. So people get an email mm-hmm. that let's say this email looks just like an email that you might get from Walmart or Target or Amazon and this it i mean they've crafted down to yes or or I've gotten those emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us have we, we you know these days they've gotten a lot savvier than the um this the, what we call the Nigerian print scheme. Yes. It's definitely raised up a level. So
0: it the guy who's the cousin of the son of the prince of Nigeria exactly has sent you an email saying if you just do these three things yeah, Good then, fortune yeah. and blessing and prosperity, and you're going to be sent $75,000 tomorrow. Yes, if you
1: sent me, you know, $3,000, we'll give you 75000 or whatever. Also, give but me yeah. your routing
0: number and your account the number. Exact. Let's do it now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's gone got next level from that. And so these emails look really real. I mean, they look, I've, I've, you know, I sometimes have to double check uh, when I see these things and, you know, you see a link, it says, you know, maybe it's an Amazon mm-hmm. email that says, hey, here's your tracking number, you've just got an order, your, yeah. your, uh, your order has shipped and you go, you know. you Wait, may, I did order or, something, Or this maybe happened you go, I me. did order something. Yes. Because so often we're ordering things from Amazon, so yeah. we just thoughtlessly go, oh, click the link, boom. Yeah. That, that clicking that link locks down your files. It uh, gives them
0: access to all of your files. It,
1: you know, I mean, they, there's, certain degrees, there's certain degrees. There's certain degrees, obviously, but yes. Let's say in, in in a classic example, it would lock down your files. They would have access to them, and then <sighs> they uh, and then you you can't access them until tell you either number one, find a way to unencrypt them, which occasionally there's keys available for uh, different strains of ransomware, different ransomware, there's different strains and occasionally a key is available, occasionally not. Uh, so it depends on that. And then, you know, uh, do you have backups? Are you able to backup? Are you able to pull up, uh, you know, wow. in redundancy? So redundancy is so important that happens. That's okay. We'll just, we'll, we'll recover. We'll recover. We'll go to our backups. Uh, and then if not, you have to make a decision. Are we okay losing the data? Should we just pay the ransom?
0: Okay, so I'm not a tech guru. Y'all just have to know that. And so I'm going to ask Corey a couple of questions because I need a little bit more explanation on this. And that is a, a redundancy. Is, explain that to me like I'm a first grader.
1: Redundancy is backup. It's just how, how quickly can I recover okay. uh, if, if, if stuff happened? Hey, if, if a tornado hit, Okay. And and uh, it, it how quickly could I recover from that tornado? Redundancy is just how much downtime will I have if a disaster occurs? And okay. you would, classically, we've thought about disaster recovery, business continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bad weather event. Well, today yeah. we have to think about uh, you, we have to think about cybersecurity. We have to think yeah. about things happen in cyber in, in the digital sphere mm-hmm. uh, that cause us, and so we have to prepare and. Going down a whole nother, the, the main thing organizational leaders can do today is proactive cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. We know something bad is going to happen. Okay. We don't know what it is, but we know we're going to get hit at some mm-hmm. point. Every organization at some point is going to face something. So we have to prepare for those events.
0: What are the stakes when you do get hit? You kind of went into it for just a second, but can you explain what you might be up against if they do uh, essentially? It, hack into your system through through a virus. well i mean
1: there's a there's a statistic i was just you know I, it, it's classic statistics it's few years old you know statistics whatever but 50 to 60 percent of medium to small businesses go out of business after getting uh going through a data breach i mean, this, these these stakes are enormous enormous because now you now you're losing you you go through regulatory issues with mm-hmm. losing people's personal information. Uh, you might have customers sue you. You have reputational damage. Yeah. As mm-hmm. in, customers go, I don't want to work with them because yeah. you know they lost my data, or I'm you know it, so a lot of times larger organizations can recover. You know, a target goes through a major breach, people forgive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, they can hold on. They might they might have a dip in stock. Uh, you know their shareholders might sure. scramble a little bit, but eventually they're going to rise back. What, but a, a medium or small business, in, oftentimes, can't weather that kind of wow. storm when when those things occur, mm-hmm. when uh, when salespeople can't sell, when customers are are fleeing, when clients go, I don't want to work with them, I'm going to yeah. go to their competitor. A lot of time, I can't weather the, the financial cost of trying to recover from a major cybersecurity incident. So, the, I mean, the stakes are I, they're, they're enormous. They're, they can be not to uh, they can be life or death. Not to be you know too yeah, yeah too forward about it, but uh, life or death. Uh, not to be over dramatic.
0: So, number one is ransomware. But yeah. you said that there were two other challenges there, yeah. that, that we face.
1: That's the there's two other big things that yeah. we're seeing uh, right now. And the the second one is third-party vendor exploitation. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that you are put moving all data to the cloud, right? You're okay. moving your data to the cloud because you don't, need to be, uh, you don't need to be holding on to your data. Mm-hmm. And you've got too much data. Uh, and, and the cost is just so efficient. But you also need third parties to help you mm-hmm. uh, do your services, okay. to, to complete your services, to do marketing, to do sales. Mm-hmm. So you need MailChimp. You need Salesforce. Yes. These are what we call third-party data processors. You're the data controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a customer has given you data and says, okay, I'm giving you this data so you could provide me a service. Mm -hmm. Well, now you give that data to, let's just say Salesforce, a MailChimp, in order for them so you could send them newsletters, or maybe Mm -hmm. you can uh, keep them in a system so you've got their information readily available when your salespeople need it. Well, let's say a Salesforce or a MailChimp, and these are just examples, I'm not saying they've happened, but let's say they get hit. Mm -hmm. They leak data. They leak your organizational data. Whew. Well, you're still on the hook for it. Your customers are still looking at you going, how did you lose my data? Because you can't blame MailChimp. No. Yeah, you can't. You, I mean, you yeah. can't, but your customer, you can't. Yeah. But you can't because your customer trusted you. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. So it it's that preparation mm-hmm. of uh, that's where proactive cybersecurity becomes so important. Because even if you have... a uh, A network that is what you might call ironclad, even though all networks aren't ironclad, you can't be 100% secure. But let's say you're as secure as you possibly can be and you've never done anything wrong. You give your data to a third party and that third party Loses that data, leaks that data, mm. well, you still have to scramble to deal with it. You've got to alert your customers. You've got to maybe deal with regulatory issues. Yeah. You've got to go and deal with your cybersecurity insurance. You've got to look and say, okay, now, a third party vendor, mm-hmm. you've lost my data. You owe me for that, right? So you got to go yeah. fight those people. And those people typically are big companies and they have pretty good lawyers. Right. And you may not, you know, you may not be accustomed to that, but you want your uh, you, you deserve um, recompense for mm-hmm. that. So that's why proactive cybersecurity is so important. We're preparing for it. Mm-hmm. We're we're saying, okay, uh, let let's put together a template. Here's a template of if if something does occur, how mm-hmm. do we alert our customers? Yeah. Then we could fill in the blanks. If, if, if customers are, are calling us mm-hmm. at our call center saying, hey, I just, got, uh, I, I, you know, I just got this charge on my credit card or whatever, we have the ability, if we know we're going through an incident, customers mm-hmm. are calling us, our call center employees know exactly what to tell the customers. Mm-hmm. And that's not too much. We don't want to say, oh, we're suffering a data breach. You don't want to say data breach, yeah, because that's going to bite you later down the road. Because yeah. uh, you know the lawyers are going to say, "Oh, well, this person said it was mm-hmm. a data breach." Your customers are going to go, and it's going to go. They're going to go tell the media, and all of a sudden, you're going through a data. breach. So you got to be careful on how you communicate. Uh, exactly, the communication okay. piece aspect of it is just so critical.
0: Okay, so number one, ransomware. Mm. And then number third two. party exp- vendor exploitation. And number three. And number
1: three is the insider threat. It's your employees. Mm -hmm. And this is hard for leaders sometimes because we really want to trust our people. Yes. We love our people. Uh, You know, we believe in our people, but people are people. Yes. You know, they're looking out for themselves. So uh, if a salesperson is going to leave to go to a competitor... You know, they may collect uh, their sales. You know, they, they're going to collect a spreadsheet with, uh, you know, with mm-hmm. their contacts on it. And they're going to take it. No, that spreadsheet belongs to you. But they, they feel like, no, this spreadsheet belongs to me. So mm. they're going to take that spreadsheet. And, uh, you know, maybe even a competitor uh, reaches out to one of your employees mm-hmm. and says, hey, this sounds far-fetched, but it happens. Hey, I will. Yeah. I'm going to hire you. I'm going to poach you. I'm going to pay you more money, but I am going. I want you to mm-hmm. take with you uh, the bid spreadsheet that has all the the bid pricing of, of the you know our yeah. competitors, so we can go. We can underbid them mm. for jobs. Uh, we're even seeing that the hacking groups are reaching out to uh, people at big, large technology companies mm-hmm. and saying, "We will pay you if you give us." Your credentials to the network.
0: So, like, if you give us your credentials to log in, we'll pay you.
1: Yeah, we'll give you money. We'll give you, uh, yeah, for your credentials. As long as we can log in and we can root around the network, we will pay you. And wow. that's they, a, yeah, it sounds like something out a black mirror. But you it's would
0: think real. it would never happen. But then again, like, you think back and you're like, well, Pete Rose is playing baseball and he's betting it against himself and his own team. And mm-hmm. so anything can happen in the world. Yeah. And those things can completely disrupt yeah. your life.
1: If if you've got, uh, outs- you outsource to a third, uh, like a country, third world country, let's say. I, I use the mm-hmm. term third world country, a country that's a little more impoverished than we are here. E- they, they all have cell phones, mm-hmm. right? All these people. And, and for them, it's not hard to just maybe take a screenshot of customer yeah. information, personal customer information, name, social, credit card. Mm-hmm. Write that up. And then sell it. And for them, in a, in a third world country, the stakes are a lot higher than they are here. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're struggling to feed your family, yeah, the stakes are much higher there.
0: And meanwhile, we're outsourcing everything to third world countries. Often, yes, yes. We're I,
1: I call centers, things
0: like that, yes. So even though a business leader might think it's a better use of funds to use a third party that's international... That could actually be even more high stakes than it, local.
1: It can be, and I'm not saying don't do it, right. uh, but I'm saying you you got to take precautions. Yeah. Uh, you, have to, you have to make sure that you uh, have, have good security, you get proactive. It all comes down to proactive cybersecurity. It comes down to building good response plans so you're prepared when these things occur, and you're not wow. pulling your hair out scrambling because you're going to make mistakes. The and those mistakes could too. cost you. The stakes are really oh, they high. they could cost you if, if you... Uh, the, e, people are more willing to forgive an incident today mm-hmm. because it happens so often. People are more forgiving. But if you bungle the response, people are a lot less forgiving. So wow. you have to have an airtight response. You have to alert your customers, right? You have to know the cadence of mm-hmm. when you're alerting your customers, how often. Here's what's happening. Here's our response. Yeah. Here's what we're doing. And then you have to figure out how are we going to deal with cybersecurity insurance? How are we going to deal with uh, communications with the media? And the communications is, is, is really a critical aspect of it. Maybe even putting uh, several of your employees uh, through crisis communications, mm-hmm. So they know how to respond when these things do occur, and then you can point to them and say, "You're going to be our spokesperson when this thing happens. You've yeah. been through the training; you know how to how to respond to this thing."
0: How does a leader begin to start learning about this? Because this, this is a vast world. You live in it. You yeah. train in it every day. But it, you know, somebody might might go, "You know what? I log into my email, and that's about it." <laughs>
1: Well, I, that's uh, you know I actually am a journalist by trade. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't grow up in this field. I I, uh, I fell into it backwards. So it is something that it could, yeah. anyone could learn. Absolutely, and you should learn. And that's where we mm-hmm. have a we have a thing at, at at my company Future Point of View that we call Rivers of Information, mm. which essentially is your newsfeed. Every day you're reading stuff. You're reading yeah. stuff a lot of times, you know. And traditionally, for for leaders, it might be like mm-hmm. the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and maybe the local newspaper, uh, and then and maybe a couple other things, business trade mm-hmm. publications. I mean, a lot of that stuff is migrated online, and now you've got a good feed of information so that you 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 know when you have time to read, you're reading. Well, you want to add cybersecurity to that feed. Mm. You want to make sure that you're reading content and learning content or listening start? to content about cybersecurity, I'll give you a good resource is the cyberwire.com. That's okay. something I do not to plug a podcast yeah. on a podcast, but that it's a good uh, podcast. They do a daily podcast every week, but just uh, every day I should the say. cyberwire.com. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a good place to start. That was one of my main ones mm-hmm. and just putting that in your feed and listening to it. Uh, you know, every day or, uh, you know, every couple times a week. Uh, but reach out to me, too, and I can, uh, I can give you uh, certainly some resources. I'm sure David will put some contact information out there for me. And, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me, and, and, and I can give you some resources of ways you can start learning uh, about cybersecurity. Uh, but it it's surrounding yeah. yourself with good people, too, people who know mm-hmm. about cybersecurity. And it, may be, it may be going to, if you have an IT person or a dedicated mm-hmm. cyber person, and you are a CEO, mm-hmm. it might say, hey,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I want you to teach me. Yeah, We're going to spend an hour together a week, and you're just going to teach me about this. And the importance of it is that uh, this is so important, and leaders need to make these decisions that a lot of times technology people talk over leaders. Mm-hmm. Because, and then leaders don't understand, and so they just kind of nod and smile yeah. and say, "Okay, that sounds great. That sounds mm-hmm. great," because they don't want to seem stupid, mm-hmm. and and you know, because nobody wants to seem like they're ignorant or stupid. But you, you the stakes are too high. Mm-hmm. The stakes are too high, so you have to go and you have to know what's going on, so you can yeah. make those important decisions. So it might be sitting down with your your CISO or your your the guy in charge of your cybersecurity and say, "Hey, I need you." I need you to teach me what's going on, or find a, a third party, somebody who can counsel you. Find a find a third party of uh, somebody who knows who can but go. But you have to time.
0: invest in time. Yep. You have to invest in your learning in this, just like you would invest your time and resources in anything else. It, yep. Exactly. Because
1: this threat is coming. It, it's already here. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's here. It's here. It's here, and it's uh, only growing. I mean, you know, when you start seeing the federal government say it is a national imperative that you keep your data safe, that you keep your organization mm-hmm. safe. I mean, the federal government creates a shields up program and says, hey, it is a national, this is a national emergency, and mm-hmm. we need you to to take care of your organization data. We need you to do these things. When you're starting to see these regulations pop mm-hmm. up, we first saw it in Europe with GDPR. We yeah. see it now with in California with CCPA. Uh, a patchwork of of these data privacy regulations are being uh, created in states all around the country. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's upping the stakes for if you go through a data breach, what the stakes are and what it could cost you. And it's going to continue to grow because people are beginning to understand how important digital data is and personal information. And when you lose that personal information, how much it it affects people.
0: All right, Corey, we've talked about... Cybersecurity and the threat that that is. I want to talk about another big threat. And that's something you talked about in your TED talk at TEDx Oklahoma City. And that was the idea of algorithmic bias.
1: Algorithmic bias is a, it's a dense topic. So I'm going to try and keep it at a pretty high level. Mm -hmm. But machines, whether it be software applications and robotics, are starting to play a bigger role in our lives. Yeah on a daily basis and they're starting to do things for us that we used to do ourselves. Mm -hmm. And as they get smarter, as they learn, uh, the, the, the tasks that they are completing for us become more comprehensive and how they learn is through enormous amounts of data, uh, which are fed into these algorithms. And then these, they use this data to start making decisions
0: for us. Hold on. They're making decisions for us. Yes. Okay. What? It, what does that mean? Because I actually, I have a hard time thinking as a free thinking person that an algorithm is making decisions for my life.
1: Well, it. it I, I don't know if I would go as far as it's making the decision mm-hmm. for you, but it's helping guide you to that decision.
0: How much of our lives are being guided by
1: an algorithm? I. I I would think nearly every decision we make, uh, from the movies we watch, to the people we date, to uh, the content that we read online, to the news that we consume, to the clothes that we buy, to the websites we navigate to, um, to uh, what we do at work, how we do our work. All of these things are, are being these decisions, algorithms, or machine machines are helping us helping us guide guide us to make those decisions.
0: This feels to to me pretty broad and a little alarming. The reason is I've heard it before, but when it comes back up again, let me say that again. To me, this feels a little alarming. It feels a little bit frightening to think that there's like this algorithm or thing out there that's guiding my decisions. I've heard some stuff about this, but I need us to get a little bit more specific into from like broad into, you know, what, what's an example of how something's guiding my decisions? Oh, let me ask you what's
1: in your YouTube feed.
0: Okay. Um, We're talking (laughs) ESPN first take, um, shout out Stephen A. Smith and JJ Redick. And then there's also, uh, probably NBA on TNT, um, because those two things, I think dominate 90% of what I spend my time on in YouTube, maybe a little bit of Bill Johnson messages as well.
1: So is that all you see on your YouTube feed? Is it, mean, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like
0: I when when I open it up, like almost every time it's like, here's a, here's a video from Charles Barkley, mm-hmm. uh, like on NBA on TNT here. And so like, yeah, you do have those. And then there's usually like two or three that are kind of like that, that it's like, here's Matt Barnes podcast with, uh, you know, Steven Jackson or different things like that. You're seeing the same type of stuff. Exactly. Same type of stuff.
1: The reason for that is the algorithm is trying to keep you on the platform. It wants to keep feeding you videos that you want to see, that it thinks you want to see, Okay. because it wants you to continue to watch, continue to consume, continue to stay on that platform. So it's going to feed you videos that it thinks you would like.
0: Because then I'll click on that one, I'll watch all the way through it, and then it's going to suggest, or just now, it, it, it doesn't even suggest, it just auto plays. Yeah. It moves right into another one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to go into, it's, yeah. yeah, it's going to say, okay, David is going to like this video, so we're going to show it to him. Yeah. Well, the problem with that is that we are only seeing things that we like. Hmm. We're only seeing things that interest us. And so we become very myopic. We become very laser-focused on those things. And we don't yeah. see the broader world. We don't see a differing perspective. We don't see, if I'm only stuck in basketball, I don't see any baseball content. Right. Well, you know, that's not a big thing when you're talking about sports. But it becomes a big thing when you're talking about uh Politics when it talks about mm. news, current events, yeah. things that impact us on a daily basis. Because at the end of the day, win or lose, if, if you know if the uh, you know the Pistons lose, yeah. yeah, your life is not impacted. But if uh, but the, when it comes to news and things of that nature, these things can really impact us.
0: So essentially, what it does, what the algorithm does, in order to keep me on that platform as long as possible, it gives me information that I already like, that I already probably agree with. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is, because it's so laser focused and tailored to what I already want to see, that I could start to enter into a world where essentially this is the information that is true.
1: Well, yeah, that's the rabbit hole. That's what we call the rabbit hole. Okay. the classic example is kid goes on, uh, YouTube to research the holocaust and um, then he uh, you know the, he's fed two videos or served two videos. one video is uh here's a you know long documentary mm-hmm. about the holocaust. second video is the holocaust didn't happen. which video are you going to click on well, most of us are we going to click on the more uh interesting video more enticing video the more uh, the, mm-hmm. m- the more controversial video the more and that 's of course the video that says the holocaust didn't exist mm-hmm. doesn 't exist. And then it continues. It learns that, oh, you're interested in this, this topic about the, you know Holocaust denial. And then it, can, it goes down and down and down. It serves wow. you up more and more videos. And then you start to see these videos and you start to believe it. Now, that's, that's a classic example, but we see it all the time. I mean, we see it recently with these school shootings and uh, mm-hmm. Buffalo and Uvalde. Now, I don't know the specifics, but I do know uh, these when these mass shootings happen... Oftentimes, too, too, too often, people have become radicalized online. And a mm-hmm. lot of times is they've, they've been served into communities where it, feels, it fuels their hate. Mm-hmm. Because they, it pools these people who have similar type be- of beliefs into communities. Mm-hmm. And then they feed off each other and it causes real world violence. So what ends up happening is
0: I'm looking at information that I already probably agree with. But because there's more of that information, I can actually start to think and in, in a world where it seems like there's now endless clicks, mm-hmm. endless information, that this actually supports what I believe. And what I'm doing in the meantime is, is I'm actually making my worldview and my perspective on things a lot more narrow. Yes. Okay. So what are the stakes for that as far as uh, both an individual, but also like when, when you're looking at a team, because any business leader is going to have a a team of people and they're guiding different people and any day people are walking in, not just carrying, you know, the work challenges, but also like a lot of perspective under that. And those things are going to impact relationships within a team.
1: I mean, we discussed the, the radicalization online and the online mm-hmm. extremism briefly. And that's yeah. something that uh, really concerns me uh, in, yeah. in that people uh, get be, They they see one perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, so if I'm uh, and then they become fueled by that one perspective. I, you know, when the when we talk about uh, People going into these communities and then they start uh, believing one thing And if they could just get out of the community and start seeing other things, you know, Mm -hmm. they might it might be able to push them back from from the edge Uh, but we see it a lot with politics and news Mm -hmm. in that hey, I only see one perspective. I see one side of the news, uh, and therefore it fuels my hatred of Mm -hmm. the other side uh, because I'm only seeing one perspective. And what I'm seeing is that, you know, my side is correct and the other side isn't correct.
0: It almost sounds like indoctrination leads to polarization, Mm -hmm. leads to almost a militant perspective Mm -hmm. on why something Is true. Yeah. Which is very different than us sitting down and having a a conversation and me actually listening to what you have to share as far as this
1: uh, topic goes. Yep, exactly. It's you're hanging out at a, a bar filled with only people who agree with you. So that's, that's, what, that's what a lot of times these, yeah. what these, the, these things can, can fuel you into communities. Yeah. Whereas be, you know, if it's, if it's Telegram, if it's Facebook, if it's Twitter, if it's, uh, you know, uh, Reddit, mm-hmm. these, these forums, you get pulled into a community
0: where everybody
1: agrees with you. Uh,
0: how does a person start to shift out of this one personally, but also uh, I want to ask you on, on the other side, how does a leader start to think about this in terms of um, I want to to make sure that my people uh, are getting access to information and that they're hearing multiple sides on things that are really important, like news and, and yeah. in politics and other things.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, from an or if from an individual standpoint, it's recognizing that you have biases. Mm. That I have biases yeah. when I see an article, and I, this I'll say this for me personally: when I see an article that's, uh, you know, that really uh, praises one politician, I love it. And then if I, or the same yeah. politician, if I see an article that disparages that politician, I, you know, I, I I'm kind of like, boo. And yeah. if I look the opposite side, <laughs> yeah. it's the, the opposite way. So I have to recognize that I have biases. Why do I, I like a certain politician. I don't like another politician. Well, it, it's recognizing those biases mm-hmm. and understanding that they that I have them, and and understanding. That, yeah, I can I can like one and not the other, but I I don't need to hate that person. Mm-hmm. I need to learn not to hate that person. So it's recognizing that I can learn to hate something. Mm. You know, if given enough uh, information yeah. supporting that claim, just recognizing those biases from an organizational standpoint. Uh, it's just making sure your your team. Uh number one is filled with diverse viewpoints hmm. you know a, a lot of good. times when it in organizations you know classically it's like that guy went to my fraternity. we'll hire that guy yeah you know we get we get uh a room full of we get a boardroom there's a reason why most boardrooms and now it's improving slowly, but most boardrooms in the world are filled with uh old white dudes mm. why? because because that's the that's the pool we've been going from and we ivy league we're on you know we want people who went to the good schools and grew up in the good communities and have these types of degrees Mm -hmm. we have to think outside the box yeah we got to think well there is there are some really smart people out there who maybe didn't go to harvard who yeah. maybe couldn't afford to go to college yeah. who are some really smart people who who maybe couldn't even couldn't had to work Mm-hmm. To support their families, so couldn't go to college. Yes. But hey, they're smart, yes. and we should put them on their team. Our team, we should give them a chance. So surrounding your team with a diverse set of people, whether that be uh, diversity in ethnicity, diversity in socioeconomic mm. statuses, whether it be diversity in sexual preferences, in uh, in differently able yeah. people, like. maybe even mental health differences as well. We want to surround our teams with people, different uh, political viewpoints. Mm -hmm. We want to surround ourselves with different people. So we want to fill our team with people Mm -hmm. who have diverse viewpoints. They have diverse backgrounds. Uh, They they have diverse things they can bring to the table. We don't want the same person because when we have the same person in our teams, our team is limited. And that actually affects... Bottom line, as well.
0: A lot of people just think that that affects like your your in house culture. The more diverse your your team is, the more your business grows and its bottom line increases. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, it's because you're making smarter decisions because you have more diversity points. (laughs) Because you know, I'm going to make smarter decisions when I surround myself with good people who can help me. Uh, if I'm a leader, uh, you know, make good decisions, but Mm -hmm. maybe see my blind spots.
0: If you want to win, you got to be diverse.
1: If I'm, if I'm, uh, you know, making products and I'm making products for one type of person, well, I'm missing a whole nother type of the market. But if I could start making products for a different type of market, Mm. a different market, well, yeah, I can raise my bottom line.
0: All right, Corey, so we've talked about some big threats today. We've talked about it from cybersecurity, and we've talked about it from algorithmic bias. If you're a leader and you're sitting here thinking through these concepts and what do I do about this, what's one step that a leader can take to uh, lower their risk and actually engage in these areas in a healthy way?
1: Well, I think the key is just making a good Rivers of information. Hmm. That's the first thing. Uh, is is just making sure you're reading good sources of information, yeah. uh, and you know, good is a broad term. But hmm. <laughs> so, but if you are getting yeah. all of your news from from like one platform, like Facebook, mm-hmm. like Twitter, uh, you're missing something. Kay. You're absolutely missing something. So it's it's about reading from different places, different mm-hmm. sources. And, and make sure that they're sources you trust, and they're also sources that that others trust in your industry or in the industry you're trying to learn from. So if, if I'm in cybersecurity, uh, obviously the CyberWire, which I mentioned earlier, yeah. or Wired, or the MIT Technology Review, these are things I'm putting in my rivers because they're very respected uh, if I want to learn. And then it, it's, it's making sure that you're reading constantly those things. So you don't you don't want to get it from one platform, like let's say get all your news from Facebook. Yeah. You want to make sure you're getting it from different platforms and make sure it's reputable.
0: I love that. Well, thank you today for dropping in. Thank you for investing in our community here at Leader Growth. Really appreciate you. I uh, look forward to hanging out soon. We'll have to grab some barbecue there. Yeah, yeah.
1: David, I'm, I'm so grateful for you uh, and so grateful to be here and and, uh, and and be a part of this.
0: All right. Well, that wraps up today's conversation with Corey Patrick White. If you haven't yet, would you rate this podcast? Would you review it? Would you subscribe to it? And would you share it with someone you know it can help? If you want to sign up to get more information on modern leadership, you can do that at Leader Growth.us. We will be back here next week with a fantastic guest. Until then, love hard, live full, and lead strong.
1: Never front like I'm balling. I got moves to
0: make. Better with success. I got dues to pay. All good things, that come to those who wait. Yeah, what I left behind from trying to be great. Ain't no secret to success if you ain't working. If you ain't down to hustle, then you don't deserve it. If it came
1: easy, probably go fast.